Welcome to another episode of the Viato Podcast Retail Revival Series. I'm Randy Kobat with Cox Automotive, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. My guest for today's podcast is Scott Oller, who manages a centralized acquisition, pricing, and reconditioning center for SunTrup Automotive in St. Louis. Scott shares how the three-year-old operation has become a critical partner to the store managers it serves. We're thinking something's on the edge. We don't just pull the trigger because we can't. We really want the car to work when it goes to the dealership. Like a lot of dealers, the COVID-19 pandemic forced some changes in the volume of auction vehicles SunTrup acquired to feed its retail operations. Among the changes, Scott and his team chose to operate on a tighter day's supply as a hedge against market volatility, a strategy that remains in place right now. So it allowed us to be a little more flexible if great would happen, we were in a position to take advantage of it. If rotten was happening, we were also prepared to deal with it. As a 35-year veteran of the business, Scott has become a disciple of market data, which has led to retailing vehicles SunTrup stores previously would not have considered as viable opportunities. Today, full-size trucks play a bigger role in the group's business. We knew that we had about 1% of our inventory was trucks. So how about we just mirror what the market's doing? Throughout my conversation, Scott shares a lot of useful insights, including the unique way he wholesales trade-ins for the group. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Let's go to my conversation with Scott. Scott Aller from SunTrup Automotive Group, welcome to our podcast. How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. That's great to hear. So, um, so Scott, tell us a little bit about your position and role at SunTrup. Um, well, the formal name of this uh, department is an acquisition department. Uh, it's made up of several things here at the dealership. We are not located where the actual stores are. We're short distance down the street in a uh, facility where we do a number of things here. So by as times pass by, it's become the reconditioning center uh, is the name. Mm -hmm. So here at the reconditioning center, um, I typically have three buyers. We do only have two right now. Um, and uh, we purchase cars right here inside the room that I'm sitting in, uh, as well as uh, outside of here, there's reconditioning that takes place. Uh, on the other side of the building, we have nine technicians here. Uh, we're about to add seven bays with some growth that we've uh, seen. Wow. Um, as well as we have a parts center here located on the property. So the technicians uh, can, you know, get their parts, everything literally located right here in one spot. Uh, as cars are either purchased or traded at the stores, at any of our stores, they'll then come to this facility. We make a decision if we're going to keep them, uh, recondition them. Uh, and when I say recondition, outside of the mechanical side of it, uh, we have a gentleman that works for me who we call the recon manager. Mm -hmm. uh, he deals with vendors, bumpers, glass, fenders, uh, rim repair, all of the gambit of what takes place in reconditioning. Uh, so that's, that's really what takes place on the property here. Uh, once those cars are completed, we either make a decision that they go to wholesale, which is just two buildings down, another great convenience for location, um, or we keep them. If we keep them, they head out to detail. Uh, they come back uh, to 
uh, the facility that's two doors down from me, and then photos are taken, and then they're picked up and taken back to the stores for sale. Got it. So you made the decision to create this separate group with acquisition and reconditioning about three years ago. What were some of the factors that made you decide to do it this way? Well, it's uh, there's there's a lot of positive things that take place with this. One, uh, we'll just talk about the time that it consumes in buying cars. So what we all grew up with, or anyway I did in the business, was uh, you know the store managers on their days off or their mornings of the sale, they head out to sales um, as everybody became a little more computer savvy. They jumped online maybe in between deals and started buying cars. Uh, and of course, you know, you got seven or eight different uh, level people. And when I say level, you may have some that are more experienced than others buying those cars. So the, the, the dealer uh, that I work for uh, seen an opportunity uh, that we could take all that away from the store managers. Uh, that would allow them more time as we enter into a period of time uh, where, you know, we have to send out a video after a customer comes in and we have to do this, we have to do that. There's, there's so many things the store managers are bogged down with. Buying cars was one that I think the dealer saw that could be done differently, uh, freeing up their time. Right. And that's kind of the direction that that, that took off on. Uh, the other is just simply real estate. Uh, I've only worked for two different dealers in my whole 35 year career. Uh, one was uh, for 28 years and then I've been here pretty much since. And, and, and so, so what we've learned is that uh, all of that going on in the property for example, the previous dealer group I had, a little more of a rural area, big facility, but real estate wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. Today, real estate's an, an issue. Uh, we're in the suburbs of St. Louis. We're in a very congested area, which is a great problem, um, but there's only so much square footage. So we made a decision to put an 11-acre holding pin in, uh, in a different facility, the one that I mentioned to you earlier that's just a couple doors down from me. And we store all we store the lion's share of our new cars there and we put a representation of all that product at the store if somebody needs a blue optima instead of the white our black one that we have there uh it's a simple jot down the street pick it up take it back to the dealership uh but so that part wasn't too cumbersome but what it really freed up was it freed up probably a hundred some spots on the lot for used cars wow so as we turned that corner and, and, and went down this road uh, with the V Auto program and the whole velocity thinking, uh, we knew if what we read and, and we were told came true that this was going to happen, and surely it did the first year, a substantial 30% increase that we were all pleasantly pleased with. Um, so now we have more representations of used cars on our parking lots. We, we don't have less new cars, we just facilitate them a little differently. Right. Uh, so a couple, things, a couple things were accomplished by going down this road. That's really insightful thinking. Yeah. Um, and you know, it goes back to you know, some of the thinking around lean manufacturing, right? Put all the work together in one spot. Yeah, kind of a synergy, yeah. That's awesome. 
Um, so how many cars are you acquiring uh, on average per month at that um, location? I'd say the 150 zone, 150. Wow. And then how, are you reconditioning all of those then every month? or Recondition every one of them. We do... Um, we do about three, 325 cars through here a month in the, uh, combined with the trades and the purchase sure. of what we keep to put back out of the stores. That's great. Now, I, I was curious about one of the statements that you made. If you make a decision to wholesale, it's only a couple doors down. So what does that mean? Are, are you near an auction facility or is there well, something you have going on in your own? We, um, I presented to both of the dealer principals here several years ago, um, basically a, a way to, to wholesale their cars and what I thought was a way more productive in dollars, time, energy, all the way around. And it's really a past experience I had as a general manager prior to being here. Um, I work closely with the auction. I love the atmosphere. And, and what I say, I love the atmosphere. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of drive going on. Uh, there's really no shenanigans. Uh, you don't have to deal with wholesalers and chasing down money. Uh, the auction is a great arbitrator for you. Uh, so I went to the Mannheim Systems. Actually, I went to several auction companies. Uh, the Mannheim Systems uh, did a arbitrage. Uh, we presented those last 90 days of activity at the dealership before we had an auction. Um, and the auction showed us where the majority of those cars went and the dollars they sold for. And I think the dealers were, uh, they knew immediately we needed to make this change. Uh, so we developed a relationship. We're probably one of only a couple in the country that I understand. So we have a facility two doors down, a property, um, previously one of our dealerships. Um, that the back of it is the 11 acres of storage I mentioned to you. Two of the service lanes have been turned into auction lanes. Uh, the Mannheim systems have came in. They put auction boxes the, uh, for the auctioneers to call out of. Uh, TV sets up all the electronics, Wi-Fi, and every other Wednesday we have a Mannheim mobile sale on our own property so our cars don't leave which was a big deal to the dealership sure um we've now developed uh, a client that they know if we got 100 cars 100 cars are going to sell today uh which is uh, a, a lot of credit to craig suntrip who personally sits in on this and handles it it's how important he feels it is and uh i i'm convinced that today we get every dollar we possibly can out of our trade-ins. Uh, we have great relationships with local guys. Mannheim handles the money. Mannheim arbitrates everything. You got to get some titles to them, but it's, uh, it's an incredible relationship. And for me personally, uh, because I did come from a large dealer group uh, where we did take our cars to the auction, what I learned over the years is that you you can't go to Mannheim or Odessa or anyone and tell them do something spectacular in a line of a favor because I messed up or this didn't work out right. And by the way, sorry, I never do business with you, but I need your help now. <laughs> right. So I uh, convinced the dealers that this is a um, this is another great way to develop our acquisition department, to have a relationship. And I can tell you that uh, 
there are some cut and dry scenarios in arbitration that I think our relationship with some of the auctions we deal with, they know we'll be back. They know we travel across country for their cars and they want to make us, a, a, you know, they become a great partner for us is all I can say. Um, they don't just lay down and throw money at you, but they make, they do try to help out. And I think a lot of it is to do with our commitments through, uh, you know, our internal systems we use sure. to the auction, to the program that we're talking about. Uh, we have quite an investment. Uh, so it's, it's become a great partnership that I think works both ways. That's great. I'm glad to hear that the Mannheim yeah. Mobile approach is really working well for you. Spectacular. That's yep. awesome. Awesome. So, you know, you mentioned um, the effort that you have around acquisition and reconditioning really focused in that specific area. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, how have how has the pandemic affected how you're acquiring inventory? Well, um, you know, like every scenario, recessions, you know, the things the United States has been through. Uh, if you've spent some time in this industry, you've been through wars and sure. recessions and things that really take the air straight out of the room immediately. Um, so going into this, I don't think any of us really knew how it was going to turn out, but we immediately took a position of careful. Mm -hmm. um, so when you start looking at cars and days supplies and what you keep on the parking lot instead of just going, I sell a hundred, I want 150 on the ground. We really don't operate that way anymore. We put uh, the math behind it. The statistics know exactly what we're doing, not what we think we're doing. We know exactly what we're selling, what rate of travels they're happening. So one measure we took immediately was um, any cars that, let's just say, we purchase cars through strategy pages and those strategy pages are set up at a 45 day supply. So it'll tell you automatically, here's your rate of travel with this product. If you want a 45 day supply of this product, you have to have this much product on the ground. Right. We immediately went in and we pulled them all back to 30 days. Mm -hmm. So it allowed us to be a little more flexible. If great would happen, we were in a position to take advantage of it. If rotten was happening, we were also prepared to deal with it uh, because we could manage our inventories better than just, hey, it's tough to buy cars. We, we all know when that happens. But the electronic side of it, the, the measurement side, I guess is the best word for it, it showed us immediately that people were holding out on their cars. The natural response was, I should be able to buy a car for next to nothing now. <laughs> well, that, that never really happened. Yeah, it didn't. Um, there was a period of time where cars dropped by 10, 15%, but I don't, it was nothing that was the norm. It may have been um as we all know the pandemic's done to business operators uh their cash has become golden to them uh you may have seen some people that had to move some automobiles in order to generate that revenue mm -hmm. um or whatever the case is they were afraid to have too much inventory so they started getting rid of it um so we took advantage of that when it was taking place but to tell you there was any sort of volume there wasn't and in fact uh, we sent three buyers home. I was the only person that stayed um, during that period of time because we just didn't know. Sure. Uh, and what, what we learned as the, as the uh, summer came on uh, was that whether or not it was because people were at home with nothing to do, uh, like a young couple I spoke to this weekend, uh, they were telling me about their vehicle purchase. And 
he said, you know, we didn't, we didn't go nowhere. We didn't do nothing. Next thing I knew I had an extra $15,000 in the bank and we went out and bought a car. And while I don't know that everybody had that kind of extra, I think a lot of people received maybe some uh, stimulus money, maybe simply just not spending money on vacations, but it turned it turned out to be uh, the one of the busiest summers I've been involved in in a while. And of course, for a couple months that it was only me here, I was starting to scratch my head. Did we did we send everybody home and shouldn't have? Um, it was incredibly busy and we stayed disciplined. We stayed with short inventories. Um, and it wasn't probably just until a couple of weeks ago that those started loosening up. And I think, you know, basically behind that was the fact that, you know, things have now slowed down as second waves of the COVID have uh, reared its head. Uh, people becoming more, you know, careful restrictions taking place in business and again, you know, hurting people financially. Uh, we've seen that slowdown, which is a little natural by this time of the year anyway. Sure. But I think it was a little more exaggerated this year. Um, so now we have a scenario where we have cars that are a decent price that we can buy um, that are easier to find, I should say. We always practiced our pricing through the whole thing. Uh, but cars are a little more available now. Uh, but, you know, again, we have to pay attention to that uh you got this is where you're going to wind up this month in business and here's how many cars we have and we simply sometimes we just turn the faucet down yeah and uh it's it were that fast to respond in the department with the buyers that i have uh they know to shift in between stores uh they've become spectacular and looking at a car going this will be great for the store they they know through repetition that already you stay disciplined and you mentioned, um, you know, and I heard this from a lot of dealers early on, <clears throat> changing from, you know, managing 45 days worth of inventory down to 30 uh -huh. to give you much more flexibility. Yeah. But then when things rebounded and, and we had such a great summer, I think some dealers got less disciplined um, as the summer went on and, and things were really strong. And, and did you maintain that discipline throughout that period? We we stayed at that 30 day um, because we we didn't really see an end to it. Now that there's vaccines on the table and while they might not be immediate, it's all great news that we're kind of starting to see that there is a, a great possibility for an end to it. Um, and we know that that's likely to change things as we come out of the gate into uh, the, the February months that historically things start growing up big again for us here in the Midwest. Yep. Um, we've stayed at the 30 days, uh, especially now. Why not? We could just buy more cars. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah. I have some guys that that's what they live for. Um, and that's how they make a living. Uh, so if, if we got into any sort of crunch, we could, we could fulfill those orders quickly today. That's great. And so, so what criteria does, does, does your team follow to determine the cars that you need and, and what you pay for them today? We, we do have a program. Um, unfortunately, I have to keep a little of that in confidence. That's uh, totally fine. I don't, want to, I don't want you to give away your secrets. But, but, uh, but I'll let you know that it, it, it basically this program revolves around a, a cost to market and a price to market. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unlike in the old days when you made a decision to buy a $10,000 car and you told the lot manager to put it on the lot for thirteen grand 
and you didn't even really look at anything to make that decision. It's just where you started fishing. Uh, we don't do that. So back to how we, we make those purchases and, and, and what I was about to say is within the, the Velocity program, you can measure your market, in this case, the St. Louis metropolitan area. Mm -hmm. and, and we knew because of all those imports, they're not heavy in the truck market. So we knew we could probably do a better job with trucks, but we didn't. We really didn't know because we had no history. Um, when you got a $30,000 car that's nicely equipped by Hyundai or Kia, and then you lay a $60,000 truck next to it, everybody gets scared. Um, but what we learned real quick was, for example, the St. Louis metropolitan market, 14% uh, of the sales are trucks, full-size trucks. Wow. So we simply, and, and we learned that through our velocity program. It literally charts it for you. So while it does that on every product line and even get it into specifics of each series within those models, uh, we knew that we had about 1% of our inventory was trucks. So well, how about we just mirror what the market's doing? So we set on a venture to stock our inventories of 14% of trucks to stay with the St. Louis metropolitan area. Well, lo and behold, um, our, you know, our diet every month includes a lot of full-size trucks now. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's just something we simply never knew. So when you look at some of these strategy pages through Velocity, um, it might say you need zero and you have zero history. But what's great about Velocity is you can go in and go, well, let's pretend I sold two last month and let's sure. just start there. What are people shopping so, for? Yep. Yeah, so I can trick my system a little bit to tell me, hey, you need two trucks. So the buyers see that immediately. And next thing you know, we sold those two trucks and now that box took off on its own and it says we need four. Mm -hmm. And we're like, holy cow, it's growing. So the trucks are the obvious example, but really it's across the board. Uh, we have certain managers, certain behaviors that developed of, I don't sell this. I don't buy this. I can't sell that. Well, one, uh, I have incredible support from the principals here at the organization and the store managers, uh, because the next thing that normally happens is, you know, you bought me this and you stuck me with it. Yeah. Well, I don't hear it. I don't hear it out of anyone. In fact, I have incredible respect from all of them and I respect all of them back. Um, I did come to the facility as a veteran. Some of them had worked for me before, so they knew me prior to being here. And it started an incredible relationship. And of course the dealer, um, you know, he, he, he wanted velocity to work. He didn't want to try it. He, he investigated it. I investigated it. We saw where it would work. We wanted to make it work. So to tell you a little bit of our stocking behavior, that, that's how we started off kind of in our infancy with this. But now it's developed into a machine. I mean, uh, you open a strategy page and it will pinpointedly tell you you need to buy uh, luxury SUVs over 35000 You don't have any. Your market has them, so there's people out there. So... Oh, that's that's easy enough to say sure. in, in vision, but the next step of it is, and it's kind of, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big velocity fan. And frankly, I'm amazed by it uh, of what its ability is, and you know, to be able to go in and to see literally what you need, what you have to pay for it. 
Um, you know, we worked car deals backwards a long time ago. Now, when we buy a car, we already make a plan for what we're going to sell it before we punch the button to buy it. That's great discipline. Um, never took place before. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, didn't take place in general around me. I'm not telling you that I didn't look down at NADA and go, here, let's stay around here. And, you know, if I go back for, far enough, I can talk about opening double truck newspaper ads and <laughs> looking at everybody's pricing and trying, you know, more information than a, a human can possibly do sure. for it to be accurate for more than a couple of days. So those are some of the things that we've incorporated. Um, and and I and I have to mention one other thing that really does not happen anymore. Um, and I've seen it because I've worked for both of these uh, dealers uh, that have multiple point locations, and that means multiple personalities for me. And you get a young guy that comes into a store, and he's full of energy, and he heads to the auction, and he starts coming home with some really crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't do crazy stuff no more. It's completely been eliminated. We strategize every purchase. Uh, we don't necessarily communicate it to the stores before we buy it, but I know in building relationships, uh, we, we have communicated with the store just to make sure that everybody, when we're when we're thinking something's on the edge, we don't just pull the trigger because we can. We really want the car to work when it goes to the dealership. So I think the stores have seen that and sensed it, and along with that and a system that pretty much tells you you need to head in this direction. It, it's it's really where we've evolved to now. So. That's great, and you know I I really appreciate your your comments because you know anybody can buy inventory management software, but without the discipline and the commitment to make it work, um, they're not going to get the kind of results that you guys are. So I really commend you for that. No, well, and I and, and I appreciate. Thank you for the compliment. But I can tell you because I don't want them to lose their credit for it. Uh, the two dealer principles I work for, um, it's a passion to them because, like anything, when you're making changes, and and in this case, these are some pretty big car life changes we make. Sure, um, it's real easy to get frustrated. The store managers go back. I just want to do it where I'm comfortable, and and the dealer just stopped it all. This is how we're doing it. This is what we're going to do. And then of course the pressure was thrown to me to make sure that that uh, stays the norm and that it stays comfortable. Uh, the guys at the other end, we now have a comfort uh, that that honestly, I, I, I'm surprised we have. Um, we've worked very hard for it. Uh, we jump when they talk. Uh, I tell everybody, if cars are sold, We'll fall over ourselves getting them out of here. We do everything we can to make sure it works. And, and namely, because I've been on the other end. I've been in all those chairs, and there's nothing worse than the people that are handing you something not care a whole bunch. Yeah. So it's it's been a uh, synergy, uh, so to speak, of an effort. Uh, it's not just us. It's not just them. It's not just the dealer. It took all of us to come together and, uh, to, and to stay focused and stay on it. Because uh, it's it's not the easiest thing to do. Sure, um, it it appears in my mind today one of the smarter things I've done, uh, but it, it takes some discipline to stay in there. I try to make sure that everybody understands the pain in each other's departments, and that we you know we're a support mechanism to the sales team. Let's make sure we stay a support mechanism. So that's, that's a little awesome. bit of where that's yeah, great. It is awesome. Yeah. 
So as we are entering into December here of, of 2020, um, what are your goals as we finish up the year and, and head into 2021? Well, the, the, the year is coming to a close and I, some of our biggest goals are really uh, things that are taking place for next year already. I think we have uh, done an incredible job. Uh, so I, we, I feel we've mastered it. And as we came into the pandemic, um, I think a lot. what I seen was a lot of guys, because I know they were calling me going, hey, when you guys buy cars online, how do you do this? And how do you do it? Well, we were backstroking through it. We were already all over it. Uh, there, was, there was no change up for us whatsoever that we could not walk to an auction. In fact, auctions to me are starting to look like a waste of time that you have to physically go there. You look at the cars. I can't be in Pennsylvania and Florida at the same time, but I can in my office. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it became it, it became incredibly smooth. And that's one of the biggest uh, accomplishments I can say that we've had that we do this smoothly. As we go into next year, I think an area that we haven't done as well as we should have um, and that I look for growth for next year is a little more into the social media side. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably, as we bring an individual in that I'm working with right now, probably going to go into you know the Facebook marketplace type person, uh, somebody that might uh, uh, call, you know the Craigslist. There's there's a whole lot of places to go to and do this, to where that's their focus 100%. Sure. And because they have to interact a little bit with the public, it's a little different than just a buyer position. Um, that person has to be customer savvy now. Uh, they have to know uh, a little bit about customer read uh, and knowing whether or not they, you know, they're pushing the limit where they need to be at or they're not. Um, I, I don't think it's a great place just to send someone who's done nothing but buy cars and never dealt with the public. Mm-hmm. So that's really a position I want to create this year. I'm I'm hoping that it generates a thousand to eleven hundred units for us. So that's a little that that's probably our biggest objective that we're putting on paper right now as I deal with the principals and uh, turning the corner here. That's awesome. So. Yeah like a a different focus uh, to your merchandising, maybe look at some additional channels that you can move more volume through. Yeah, we're incredibly savvy with every auction system out there, and there's really more than you can put your hands on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, you know, there's a couple challenges with that. Uh, The auctions, uh, you know, they're incredible facilities, but when I buy a car out of Pennsylvania, I got to add a thousand bucks to it, no matter how I look at it. To move it between, between sale fees and transportation home. Right. Um, so if I could buy that car one mile down the road from here uh, that we found on Facebook Marketplace, uh, just for an example, not that that's the one and all, but yeah, sure, a, a good example. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of latitude that we start having. And our experience has been that when we do buy cars, because we do have a couple programs uh, that customers come in and buy, you know, trade their cars directly here with us in our facility. And uh, some want to trade, but for the most part, by the time we weed through them, these are only people selling their cars. And, um, it, you know, frankly, you, you can buy it. They feel, they feel good when they walk out the door and we pay less for 
them than if we'd have went across the country. Sure. And you physically see the car the minute you're buying it. So uh, th- those are some things that I think we can capitalize on a little better this year. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Scott Aller from SunTrup Automotive Group, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Awesome. I appreciate you guys. Have a great rest of your year and good luck in 2021. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And my thanks to all of you for listening to today's Dealer Voices Conversation. Please share this podcast with any of your friends that you think could benefit from hearing these insights. Stay tuned for our next podcast episode, and thank you for joining us today. We'll see you very soon.